0: Hi, friends. Welcome to Praying for America on this Thursday night. Great to have you with us. And this is the program where not only do we comment on the news of the day, especially the political news of our nation, we pray over the news. That's what makes this a unique combination of insightful commentary and fervent prayer. And that's why we're always happy to welcome you, patriots and Christians, from across the country Uh, for those of you by the way who are not uh, familiar with what i do aside from this program priests for life is the largest uh, pro-life ministry within the catholic church the largest organization focused on the goal of ending abortion of, of restoring protection to our youngest brothers and sisters those yet in the womb and that intersects very well with the maga movement that intersects very well with the kind of America First uh, policies and politics that we talk about on this program because that's at the core of a great nation, that you protect the most vulnerable, you protect your own children, you don't pretend that government can authorize the destruction of innocent life. So that's what I do in my full-time ministry, and that's how I've gotten into the whole realm of uh, political uh, conversation, commentary, and activism so it's great to have you with us what we do here of course uh, as our regular viewers know is that we begin with the word of god pray and then comment prayerfully on the developments in the news obviously i want to talk about the georgia runoff uh election i also want to talk about a supreme court case that just had oral arguments the other day and has important implications for our future elections Talk a little bit about uh, Pearl Harbor, not only looking back, but looking forward. We just had Pearl Harbor Day yesterday, of course, a very significant observance, a day that will live in infamy. We'll talk a little bit about that, too. So a lot to share with you here tonight. Let's begin in the 25th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. This is how the chapter begins, the parable of the ten virgins. The virgins, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Let us pray. Father, we take the warning of this parable given to us by the Son of God to be ready in all things, to be ready for his coming of which we do not know the day or the hour, to be ready to embrace salvation, to be ready to reject our sins, to be ready to take on a new way of life. Lord, let us be vigilant as Christians. Let us be awake, not asleep. Let us live as in daylight, not in darkness. Let us be prepared. Let us be prepared, O God, by lives of virtue, and let us be prepared in the day to day activities and duties we have, in our professional lives, in the work we do for our nation. Let us be prepared for opportunities that come. But just as really as they come, they also pass. And this, Lord God, is a key lesson you give us in this this parable. that windows of opportunity are temporary. They have a shelf life. They come to an end. And then there's nothing that can be done afterwards. Help us not to miss the opportunities, Lord, that come, but then only remain open for a while. Give us the spiritual wisdom and the strength to use those opportunities for the growth of your kingdom for our personal salvation and for the saving of our nation we pray through christ our lord amen well let's apply this to our to our political concerns you know i was at a conference recently And one of the speakers, it really stuck with me, one of the speakers just made reference to harvests. And she said, you know, there is the the eternal harvest, there's the harvest at the end of the world, there's the harvest of souls, there's a harvest at the end of our lives. We bring together, God brings together all the good that has been accomplished and gives us our judgment at that time. But you know, there are many harvests in life and the point of the message was take advantage of the harvest while they last because they come and then they go so for example it might be a particular person who's in your life but just for a just for a limited period of time and bringing in the harvest while you still have the chance means doing as much for that person as you can, getting as much out of that relationship as you can. I'm not talking about getting out of it in the sense that it's a self-centered uh, uh, activity. I'm talking about that you make that relationship everything God intends it to be. Because that season, she called it a harvest. That harvest has a beginning point and an end point. And if you don't gather in the harvest in that limited amount of time, it's lost forever. Or you can talk you think a bit in terms of seasons. The season begins, the season ends. So your opportunity is while it's with you. There are many harvests in life, people who come in and out of our lives, positions of responsibility and influence that we might have for a time. And then that time passes and we may look back on that season. We may look back on that harvest for the rest of our lives and wish that we had gotten more out of it. I had a harvest season of my life where I knew Mother Teresa Of Calcutta. I had a phone number that I could call and she answered the phone. Now I did make use of that season. I learned a lot from her. I was inspired by her. I have memorabilia of that relationship that that inspire me to this day. But you know, you look back at seasons like that and you, you ask yourself, should I maybe have called that number more frequently? Should I could I have done more to reap? what God wanted me to, to reap from that unique opportunity. You wonder about those things. So now let's apply this to our, our world of politics, the application to politics and elections. Like we've just been through a midterm election season that, you know, uh, was, uh, was, an uphill, a battle and many disappointments, but also many victories. Elections are p- perfectly, uh, fit into this, uh, uh, this category of thought. They are seasons. They are harvests. There's a start point and there's an end point. There's a, 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 a limited window of time when you can bring in the harvest of the votes. Now there's a lot of talk in these days, especially in the light of races that were not won by our side that should have been won and could have been won. There's a lot of talking these days about the fact that you know, even though we may not prefer early voting, even though of course we have the the right to wait until election day in order to vote, and many prefer to do that, and we respect that 100%. That's what I always do. Nevertheless, we've got to learn how to make use of the reality that's in place right now, because if it's only the other side is taking advantage of the fact that they can be bringing in the harvest of voters for two, three, four, six weeks of voting, they're going to gain an advantage because it's simply more time and more time to reach more people and more time to reach more people to cast more votes. It's 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 just It's just good sense, brothers and sisters. So a lot of talk during these days about the fact that, hey, we've got to learn to... You know, use the reality of the situation that we have in terms of the fact that, yeah, it is election month. Not that it should be delayed beyond election day, but but the early voting starts and you've got to treat each day. And we've said this on this program. You've got to treat each day of those weeks of early voting as one big, long election day. And with the fervor and the energy and the urgency that we always talked about in the past that we need to have on election day, to be getting people to the polls, we've got to sustain that energy during all those weeks of time. Because otherwise the other side use using that time there, their numbers go up and up and up and up and up. And then we got, you know, a big challenge on our hands to, 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 to make up for and surpass that number of votes all in one day. Where you end up having lines two or three hours long that people not, you know, often do not have the time, even though they're very motivated to vote. Nevertheless, they may not have three hours to stand in line. They lose patience. You get the point. The bridegroom comes at a particular time, and then, as this parable tells us, the door is shut. The door is shut. There are seasons, there are times, there are harvests. There are opportunities. Let's not miss them. And this brings us to think about What happened in Georgia, you know, it should have gone the other way. It was close. It was close. Nobody, see, nobody in this midterm election, neither party. And I mean, you know, very few candidates who have such a margin of victory. There are some who can claim that it was a mandate from the voters. But essentially, these votes are so closely divided. Nobody can claim a mandate from the American people. We just don't have consensus. And it's sad and it's dangerous that we don't have consensus on some very fundamental points about our American life, right? And about our standards, about our values, about the meaning of right and wrong, about the very meaning of freedom. And We've got to work. We've got to continue to work to build that consensus. The race, though, should have gone the other way. If for no other reason than people not even making the primary consideration the good or bad points about each candidate, Warnock and Walker, but rather to look at the difference between 50-50 and 51-49. And we explained that on this program many times. You know, 51-49, which would now now be the uh, Democrat margin in the Senate, means they have control of the committees. Before, with a 50-50 vote, which it would have been also with a a Walker victory instead of Warnock, the Democrats can't control the committees and just, you know, make a vote in those committees without the help of any Republicans. They have to work with the Republicans. They have to get some bipartisan support. And that means some compromising and consensus building. But now, if they have full control of the committees, they can just run off their own way and not even try to make any kind of consensus. Now, that's not ultimately good for the American people, and that can lead to policies that ultimately the American people will reject. But you get the point. Power works differently when it's 51-49 than when it's 50-50. But still, 51-49 is 51-49. It's about as close as you can get. And the race, the actual margin of victory in Georgia, was also split right down the middle, practically speaking. So, you know, it's a matter of turnout, and, and, it's, and, and, and the matter of fact is that we've got a very divided country. Although I do not believe, and I'm sure that many of you join me in this, uh, that the country is that evenly divided when it comes to these fundamental questions because people you know how they actually vote depends on such a complex interaction of so many factors that you can't draw the conclusion that all those who voted for Warnock for example you know reject our ideas about freedom about the right to life about not indoctrinating our children with far left woke policies is that they're just not connecting the dots and the other thing as other commentators have brought out is that for many of these voters who voted Democrat, things just haven't gotten bad enough for them to realize that the problems that they're suffering through in this country are being caused by the people they're electing. When would it get bad enough for these people to do something? Well, when the problems hit them at home. They lose their job. They or someone they love becomes a victim of the crime that some of these policymakers are unwilling to prevent. Or that someone who came over the unsecured border ends up harming them or their family or their property. Or that they just can't buy groceries because of -of out-of-control inflation. These problems will get worse. Between now and 2024, these problems are going to get worse in America. Because the Democrats have already told us they're not going to change their tune. They're not going to change their direction. So what does that mean? Well, we have a significant roadblock in their path now because the House will be controlled by the Republicans. But nevertheless, they can't get any legislation through either. So if the Democrats, including in the White House, are not going to change their tune or their direction, who gets the blame for things getting worse in our country and maybe impacting voters in a personal way that hurts that hasn't impacted them that way up to now. We don't wish harm on anybody, but I'm just saying the reality of what's going to happen is such that when it happens, the blame belongs squarely at the feet of these Democrat politicians. That's it. There's no denying it. All right, so let's pray about this, uh, brothers and sisters. Let's put into God's hands now, especially, let's let's pray very intentionally for the United States Senate. Uh, the new Congress will take, uh, um, take their oaths and go into effect right at the beginning of January. First few days of January, by January 3rd, everything will be up and running. Let's pray very intentionally right now for the Senate. Let's pray for those that have been elected. Let's pray for the voters of Georgia. Lord, uh, you give us the parable of the ten virgins to urge us always to be ready. And we've got to be ready for elections by registering voters, by educating voters, by mobilizing voters, by urging them to make a voting plan so that they know what they are going to do and how they're going to do it by urging them to mobilize other people and make preparations for reaching other people by phone calls, by knocking on doors, by taking part hand-in-hand with the campaigns and with the other organizations that work to influence these races. And so give to all the voters in this nation, give to all the political activists, give to all of us that sense of vigilance, that sense of the need to always be ready, and the opportunity and the ability to prepare ourselves even better. We've got to get the donors together. We've got to inspire generosity in those that can assist our good candidates with money for ads. And we've got to continue to build up the ground game, the activists, the knockers on the doors, the callers on the telephone, The folks will be hammering in yard signs and just doing everything possible to advocate within each community for the best people to be elected. Lord, we pray for the voters of Georgia. We pray, first of all, that those who have voted indeed may come to understand better the implications of their choice. Maybe, Lord, they didn't fully see how the outcome of the vote in Georgia would affect the whole country. How it would not only enable one particular person in a U.S. Senate seat to do something, but rather how it would enable the other 50 senators to do something. The other committees that that one person might never serve on, nevertheless, their work is impacted by the fact that now they control that, Committee and can do things in a partisan rather than a, non, a rather than a bi, bipartisan way. Lord, the implications of our vote—how seldom we understand the breadth of the implications of our vote. Help this help the citizens of Georgia to better understand what has just happened, their role in it, and what they can do moving forward. Bless all the organizations, Lord, that worked on not only the election in Georgia, but all the elections we have just been through throughout this nation. People who have sacrificed their time, their resources, their reputations to advocate for what is good for this country, to fight for freedom, to defend our values. Lord, give them the reward of their labors, even if these races did not turn out in the way that they worked for them to turn out. Nevertheless, give them the peace of mind and the joy of spirit of knowing that they did the right thing, of knowing that they did educate and mobilize many voters who are not going away, but who will vote again the next time and the time after that, and who become part of a lasting force for good in this nation and whose votes will indeed win many races in the years right in front of us. Especially, Lord, when in 2024, The map in the U.S. Senate is much more favorable to our side in terms of the numbers of seats we have to defend than it is to the radical left. Bless, Lord, in these days, all those who have been elected and are preparing to move in to their offices. Bless them with humility, first of all. Bless them with a clear focus and bless, Lord, those who are fighting for freedom and for our values with the determination that is needed and the willingness to sacrifice that is needed in order to win. Bless your citizens now, Lord, with a readiness to engage those who are elected, to work together with those who are on the right side and to appropriately respectfully challenge those who are on the wrong side of the issues. Let their voices be heard, let their voices be raised. Let their voices be loud, let their voices be persuasive. Bless the U.S. Senate, Lord, which is regarded as the greatest deliberative body in the United States. Lord, the Senate has now become a much more dangerous place, a place where much more easily the wrong judges And other appointees can be confirmed, a dangerous place where policies can be proposed that are just absolutely destructive of our nation and out of line with the values of your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, that there's a roadblock in the House, that these policies, even if passed by the Senate, will not become law, will not even become a bill that can be laid on the president's desk. But Lord, it still is damaging. that, That debates will be held and votes will be cast for some of the most dangerous policies that people can dream up. And so bless and protect the United States Senate. Fill the very chambers of that Senate with your spirit. That your spirit of truth may permeate the, the walls and the the air that is breathed in the in these senate chambers and influence those who have so much power, but who should see that power only in terms of service of us, the American people, and of the values America is based on. Bless and protect the United States Senate. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, I just wanted to leave you with a thought about the Pearl Harbor. We'll we'll get tomorrow to the Supreme Court case I was referencing. It's the Moore v. Harper case. It has to do with how elections are conducted and the role of the state legislatures. I want to say a, a lot more about that, so we'll save that for next time. But Pearl Harbor, a day that will live in infamy when in 1941, it's been 81 years now, December the 7th, the Japanese forces launched a surprise attack on our troops in uh, Hawaii, ended up killing over 2,400 people, civilians, as well as military personnel. Got us into World War II. Ultimately, of course, we were able to defeat the, the dangers coming out of Germany and Japan. War trials came out of that war, didn't they? Punish, identifying and punishing violations of human rights, basic violations of human rights. The world was saved from a lot of dangers. But it raises the question we can look back, we must look back, we must honor. The heroic sacrifice of those who, who fought for us and who lost their lives there. And we remember the price of freedom, don't we? But brothers and sisters, the question then is, and our friend Gary Bauer raised this in his end of day report. I hope you get that report. Look up American values. That's the the group Gary Bauer heads up. And he says, Well, you know, we have a stronger military now than we even had then. Praise God. President Trump really revived our military strength. But how would we do in a conflict like that today if it were to break out? And if the players were Russia and China and Iran? And and we can look at that and we could say, well, we have a stronger military. But we've lost a number of the strengths that we had back at the time of Pearl Harbor when Americans were far more united in their belief in the God of the Bible, in their understanding that there is a right and that there is a wrong, in their embrace of moral values, now we have significant forces in our country and even a major political party denying that there's such a thing as moral truth and denying even that our history is a good one I mean, America is great. America is founded on great principles, and we have people just outright denying that, trying to re-educate our children that the history of our country is rooted in hatred and racism and slavery, and and that freedom really isn't worth fighting for. If you lose the, the zeal, if you lose the conviction that America is an exceptional nation, And that freedom is worth fighting for and defending, even at the cost of your life. How can you win these battles? What good is it to have the the greatest military equipment in the world if you don't have the will to use it and the readiness to sacrifice for the country that you're defending? That's the danger we're in right now. That's the danger. We have to build up our strength in many ways. But we've got to have the will, and that will to fight for freedom has to be based on the correct understanding of where freedom comes from, that there is a right and a wrong, that there are inalienable rights, and that there are self-evident truths. First of which is that God is the source of our freedom and of our rights. So let's pray. Lord, we pray that our nation would be spared other pearl harbors and spared even the need lord god to fight in wars to defend what is right but we ask you lord never to let us lose the willingness to fight and never let us lose the convictions behind those fights bless our children with an accurate and true understanding of our nation, a love for our flag, for our anthem, for our history, for what we stand for as a country. Lord, as we as we recall, 81 years later, what happened at Pearl Harbor. Let us indeed have a renewed vision for the future. To know that freedom can never be taken for granted. It's not passed on automatically. It's not uh, in the bloodstream. It's got to be learned understood and defended in each and every generation afresh starting all over again each and every generation and so bless our young people today bless our students bless our our families with a love and an understanding of this great nation we pray now in the words that jesus taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We pray for your intentions too, friends. Let us know as you watch these programs, uh, hopefully each weeknight, that how we can pray for you and know that we're willing to do so. We'll be back again tomorrow night. Let other people know about praying for America and uh, connect with me on social media. FR Frank Pavon is the address. Make sure you have your So Truth Social account. Make sure you're connected on Getter, which also broadcasts these programs together with our friends at Right Side Broadcasting, RSB Network. You can follow them on social media too. All of us need to stay connected. Stay encouraged, stay joyful in the Lord. Father Frank Pavone here of priest for Life. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.